this day, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Father. We thank you for the privilege to hear your word, Father. And God, we just thank you that right now we ask that you would give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Lord, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. Father, we pray that we might know what is the uh, riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, Lord, and what is exceeding uh, greatness of your power toward us who believe. Father God, we just pray right now that you would help each and every one of us to prepare our hearts to be good ground to receive the seed of the word. Father, it will bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Lord, we thank you that you confirm your word with signs following. Lord, right now, we just thank you, Father, we lift up the members of this church, the vision partners of this church that are battling with sickness in their body. Father, we lift up Nikki and Lexi right now. Father, we, uh, we curse sickness off of them in the name of Jesus. And we bring our faith in agreement, Lord, with Jimmy and Nikki, Lord, that they'll begin to be in immediate notice in their health uh, right now, Lord, as we release our faith by our words. And we thank you for it. Lord, we lift up Brother Larry Johnson. And we thank you, Lord God, that you're working a speedy recovery, that treatments are being fruitful and productive in his body, and that, Lord, you'll draw him to this body when he is able to make it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, this evening, we're going to start a new series of teachings on the parables of the kingdom. And, uh, you know, by my count, some people, you know, some scholars will count and say, well, there's, there's uh, 11, and some will say there's 13. You know, by my count... I can see about 12, uh, and that would seem to be a pretty uh, accurate number, really a number a number that is, uh, you know, you see a lot of it in the Word. But, uh, you know, we're going to look at some of the, you know, Jesus spoke in parables, and co- of course, you know, the, the denomination I grew up in, this is kind of a, a uh, simplistic uh, definition of what a parable is, but a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so we... There's several examples of how Jesus uh, would tell a story that would be a story of an earthly example, but that it would, that hidden within that story, it was simplifying a spiritual truth that Jesus was trying to communicate to people. And uh, so this evening we want to take a look at the parable of the sower. And there's two places in Scripture you can find this. Matthew chapter 13 actually is where we're going to spend most of our time studying out of. But just so you know, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. And, and you know, just the reason I went with Matthew, I like Matthew's gospel. And, and actually, the account in Matthew is a little more detailed. There's a little more information in it uh, than Luke's account. And, you know, this is just one of those little tidbits I'll give you that's just FYI for your information. It won't cost you anything extra. But in studying the Bible, um, and this, you know, this almost sounds like a no-duh statement, you know, no duh, <laughs> um, that in the in the Bible, um, the accounts the, uh, of stories, because you know the different Gospels will have the same account, and some will have more detail than others, and the ones that any time in the Bible in biblical interpretation, the accounts that have the, the more lengthy and have more details are the ones that... Um, how do you say it without it sounding ridiculous? They're usually the ones that are uh, considered to be the most accurate. Um, so this, this is one of those examples where in, in the book of Matthew, this is the lengthiest uh, account of Jesus' teaching on the sower. Amen? And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 13. And um, I'm going to start with verse 2. It says, And great multitudes were gathered 
together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10, And the disciples came to him, uh, said that the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For... Uh, whoever has to him more will be given and he will have an abundance but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him therefore i speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand uh, and in them the prophecy of isaiah is fulfilled which says hearing you will hear and shall not understand seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of the people have grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn, so that I may, uh, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you did, and have not heard it. And I'm going to stop right there before we get to the explanation of the parable when Jesus begins to explain it. And we just want to begin to look at some stuff. So here Jesus gives the parable, and he says, A sower went out to sow seed. And, and of course, we know this, but we want to revisit this, is, is that uh, during this time, uh, you know, an, an agriculture-based uh, society, and usually you know, when someone would go out to sow the seed, they would have uh, you know, a large bag on their side. Sometimes they'd just take their garment and fold the front of their garment up and have it full of seed. And they go out and they just call it, you know, what we call, you know, broadcast seeding, uh, broadcast sowing. They just grab a handful and they'd sling it. And so, and you know, back then, uh, a lot of the roads and the pathways that people traveled went right through people's fields. We remember, remember the story about Jesus and his disciples on one Sabbath day. They were traveling on a road and the road went right between, right in through the fields. And the disciples were plucking some heads of grain and rubbing it in their hands and eating the grain. And the Pharisees were like, oh, dude, look at your disciples. They're laboring on the Sabbath. What's wrong? Well, so you understand that these sowers would go out and sometimes they'd go into the field and they'd sow the seed. And sometimes a road, would, you know, the path or a road would go right through the center of the field. So they're going out and they're sowing the seed. And so Jesus goes on to say, you know, some of this seed, as they went out and they begin to just sling, you know, spread the seed, sling the seed, just slinging it that some of it would fall by the wayside, all right? And it would land on the wayside. And, and how many of you know, you know, paths are usually worn smooth and packed hard. And, you and you know, this thing, why do we turn gardens? You know, why, you know, why do you take a, a turn and plow and you turn to loosen that soil so a seed can get into the ground and take root? Well, you know, it's not going to happen on unplowed pathways and roads, right? So you can imagine as the sower goes out and he's sowing some seed, that some lands by the wayside, and guess what? It cannot penetrate the soil, and so birds are going to come, and they immediately, the birds eat it. Okay, and the second story, I mean, the next example of soil that Jesus is talking about is stony soil, and it's, so it's soil that's, you know, it's broken up rock, but it's mostly rock, and there's some soil uh, in between it. 
sort of like uh, imagine the parking lot out here. We've got some cracks in the pavement and, and joints where the concrete comes together, and there's grass growing in there. But guess what? If it goes you know, several days or weeks without rain, right, sun comes out, south Georgia hot sun comes out and hits that, that grass, it ain't going to be green and lush. It's going to be dry and dead, and it's just not going to flourish. But Jesus said some of that seed fell there, right, but it, but it, because it, it, and it sprang up immediately. How many of y'all, uh, I remember when I was a kid that uh, I went to Michigan. My parents, we went about eight years in a row. We'd go to the upper peninsula of Michigan to go salmon fishing. And I got a whole bunch of, when I was a kid at the house, I got a whole bunch of acorns one time. And I stuck them in a Ziploc bag and zipped them up. And they got knocked underneath my bed. And we went on vacation to Michigan and came back about a week later. And I crawled up underneath the bed and I pulled that bag of acorns out. Well, it was warm in the house. And those acorns had split open and sprouts started coming out the end of them. How many of you all have ever seen, you know, maybe you've seen seeds someplace, you've seen a garden, you've seen flowers, and the seeds just fall out and they hit the ground and they get some moisture on them, they get some water on them, and there's just enough dirt there for roots to start sprouting out down into that dirt. But guess what? That's not going to survive. Why? Because the sun's going to come out. Because the soil, you understand that good soil helps retain moisture, that helps nourish it, and there's minerals and stuff in it. Well, this, this, the seed sprouted up, and because it had no depth, uh, depth of earth, when the sun came out and the heat hit it, it just withered and died. Okay? So then the next uh, example, the next soil that Jesus mentions, is there was seed that fell among thorns, right? Thorny ground. And it says that, that seed, it sprang up, but then the thorns choked it and made it unfruitful. I mean, how many of y'all have seen, I've seen um, vegetable gardens that were neglected before that vines grew up in? And, uh, you know, maybe you can even see, uh, maybe the fruit, maybe, maybe the, the vegetable or the fruit that's planted there has begin, it, it budded and it began to develop into a, a fruit, but something stopped it all of a sudden. And, and you can see the beginnings of maybe something that never grew and, got, and, and never come to maturity the fruit never come to maturity because the garden wasn't maintained and and the and the weeds and the and the vines choked it out right and so jesus is saying this is what happened the seed was sown but it landed in thorny uh, soil where there was weeds and thorns and it sprouted up and began to grow um because you understand this wow this isn't something for you to chew on the the uh the good seed and the thorns can grow in the same soil That's why you have to monitor what you allow to get into your soil, right? Because the same, the same nutrients and the same, th- the same things that can make the good seed grow can make weeds grow. That's why you've got to be careful not to let the weeds in the garden in the first place, right? Or when you see them, get them out while they're little, okay? And so then Jesus says, but then there was seed that fell on the good ground. And so that seed got on the, on the good soil, and when it got in the... And you understand this? When the seed is received and in the right environment and, and all is good... It's going to produce a crop because this is the thing you understand. You know, farmers farmers don't grow stuff. God grows stuff. Farmers just cultivate soil and make conditions favorable for the seed to do what God designed it to do. Amen. That doesn't mean there's not work involved. It just means the work the work ain't making the seed grow. The work is making the conditions conducive to the seed being received and being fruitful. Amen. We'll get to it, amen, I'll tell you, because I can tell you what that is, right? 
So, but I want to take a look at this. So if we've heard the story, and, and before we get to the explanation, we want, so Jesus has this, and his disciples say, why are you teaching them in parables? And I felt like we wanted to take a look at this, just a little bit, because we're going to be talking about parables. Why were you talking to them in parables? Okay? And Jesus, it says, and Jesus said, you know, because to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And I've told you this before, and I want to keep you in remembrance of this. When we think of the word mystery, we think, well, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And when we say, in, in, in our vernacular, when we use the word mystery, we think it means nobody knows. But in the Greek language, the word mystery, it means something that's a secret that's only known to those within a secret, those within a particular society, group of the society. It doesn't mean nobody can know. It means the only people know are the people that are in the know. You know what I'm saying? It's not something that cannot be uh, understood it can't be something that's not known it just means those that are outside the, the, the that group of society aren't going to know it Jesus says the reason I'm speaking to them in parables is because it's been given to you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom the mysteries of the what? the kingdom right? because I'm telling you Jesus was eat up with the kingdom I don't know if I shared this Sunday night or not but you know uh, we were coming up from St. Augustine did I mention this Sunday night? we were coming up and I said, do you, do you guys ever think that Peter or any of the other uh, uh, the apostles, they said, man, when Jesus started teaching, man, I, here we go. I bet he's going to talk about kingdom stuff again. The kingdom of heaven's like this. The kingdom of heaven's like that. The kingdom of heaven's like this. It was so much more fun when we just went to weddings and turned water into wine and had a good time. Before Jesus got, got off on this tangent, before Jesus got off on, the, on this, just talking about the kingdom all the time, this is all Jesus talked about. Everything he talked about, either either he was talking directly about the kingdom or he was talking about something that was a prerequisite to the kingdom that you had to have. And so Jesus said, look, you, to you it's been given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. He said, but to them it hasn't been uh, given. He said, so I'm speaking to them. In, in other words, they don't have the capacity just to understand the, a spiritual truth. I have to take a spiritual truth and I have to relate it to them in a story that they can understand, Right? But this is what gets me. Jesus then goes on to say, For whoever has, to him it, uh, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And I, and I studied this out because I read this, and I don't know if, if you all do this or not, but now I think about what I read. I read it, I think about it. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. And I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes I read stuff and I think, God, that don't seem fair. Now, how many of you have honestly, and you can raise your hand, have read this story and it says, To them who has, more will be given... And those who have not, even what they have is going to be taken away. I thought, man, that stinks. Have you ever thought that? I thought that. What's up with that? You're going to penalize the ones that don't have? Have you ever thought of that? I mean, I have, you know, stinks to be you. What, you ain't got nothing? Oh, stinks to be you. That'd be like me walking around, you know, me going around. Hey, uh, Kirk, you got some money? Kirk going, yeah, I got, I got $20, Pastor. $20, Pastor. Go, well, here, here, let me give you 20 more. Woo, hallelujah, thank you. Hey, Cindy, you got any money? Well, you know... All I got is 25 cents. Give that to me. That ain't nothing. Now think about it. That's what I say. To those who have, more will be given. Those who have not, even what you got is going to be taken away. Does that seem fair to you? I read it and I thought, God, that, yeah, that seems like you're penalizing somebody just for not having something. And so this is the thing. When you read something like that, pray and ask the Holy Ghost for insight. But I begin to study that out. And you look at this and it says here in verse 12, for to him who has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, 
Even what he has will be taken from him. The word that has been translated, you know, the King, New King James says has to him who has, or King James Version says hath. To him who has, more will be given. To him who has not, even what he has is going to be taken away. Now understand this. Okay, let's put it in the context. Was the sower discriminant about where he sowed the seed? Nope. He went out. He's chucking everywhere. Why? Because he didn't say, oh, I don't want to get over there. That's close to the, that's close to the path. I don't want to cast it over here because that's stony ground. I don't want to cast. No, he was indiscriminate. He went out and he was sowing the seed everywhere. He was distributing something wherever he went. Now, this, I'm going to give this to you, and if you've ever had this question come up in your mind, but what, you know, what's up with that? They had, and they're going to get more because they, they got the fortune of having some, right? And the poor old guy over here that ain't got none, even what he's got is going to be taken away. And that's why the, you know, if you're not careful now, maybe I'm the only one that interpreted it that way. Maybe I'm the only one that had to question, God, what's up with that? What do you mean you're going to give somebody, just because they got something, you're going to give them some more? And just because they don't. Now remember this, it's in the context of Jesus talking about the sower sowing the seed. Well, that word has, we think, we think, um, we think that right here, there's a Bible, and with Cindy has a Bible right here. We think Cindy has a Bible. Why? Because it's hers and it's in her presence, right? We think Cindy has a Bible. That word that's translated has does not just simply mean that you have possession of something. Has means, hold this. Hold on to it. That word that's translated has or hath in your King James Version, it's, it, it literally means to hold, uh, that holds on to it doesn't mean you just own something or something belongs to you. He, to him who has, to him who holds on, more is going to be given to him. To him who doesn't hold on, right here. see? See, you didn't hold on, so what you've got is even taken away. Right? Amen. That doesn't go with, right? So you, do you see this? It's not just saying, oh, you didn't have something. What it's saying is you didn't hold on to something. To him who had him, so a better translation of this would be Jesus is saying, to him who holds on to what he's got, you're going to get more. But to him who does not hold on to what has been given to him, even what you have is going to be taken from you. And understand here, we're talking about in the context of seed that is sown. Why would the person that's holding on to what was given to him have an abundance? Why? Because a seed always produces after its kind and always produces more. Jesus is saying here, look, to those that will get a hold of this and hold on to it, it's going to be added to them even more, and they'll have an abundance. But if the people, if I, but if I'm giving this to people, and they don't get a hold of it and hold on to it, not only will they lose that, but they'll lose what was given to them. What does it mean? What was given to them? The seed of the word. So if they don't hold on to it, they're going to lose even what was given to them. The word that they received is going to be taken from them. And so, and get this, Jesus, so Jesus goes on to say, He says, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. He says, And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and you shall not understand. Seeing you will see, and you will not perceive, for the hearts of the people have grown dull. Um, verse 15, uh, continuing reading verse 15, says, Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, 
lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and lest they should understand with their hearts uh, and I should turn and heal them. Now verse 15 here says, uh, when it's talking about hearing, uh, it says uh, that they should, lest they should uh, hear with their ears. Okay? Uh, there, are, there are two words here that, that are, that the word hear is in this verse uh, twice. Hearing, you will hear and you will not understand. This is verse 14. And seeing, you will see and not uh, perceive. Okay? There, and it's funny, there's two Greek words that are translated hear. One Greek word means to go through the act of hearing, but not hear. The other Greek word means uh, to give an audience to. How many of y'all know there's a difference? Uh, there's a difference here. And a casual reading of this, we think, oh, you know, hearing they'll not hear. That's what it sounds kind of redundant. It sounds kind of mysterious. No, he's saying Jesus is saying there are going to be those who will go through the act of hearing, but they'll not get. But they will not give audience to what is said. Now, how many of y'all know when we talk about when we use the phrase to give audience to? It means to to give an official hearing to someone. That word that word. Uh, it, that, to give audience to it means to, uh, the, to give someone audience means to give an official hearing to. In other words, I am purposely setting myself to pay extra special attention to what's being said. Because how many of you have heard this phrase before? I've said this before. It said, you heard me, but you didn't listen to me. How many of you wives have said that to your husband? Oh, I know you heard me, but you weren't listening. In other words, because you might have heard the you might have heard the wife talking like Charlie Brown's teacher. How many of you saw the Peanuts cartoon? Remember Charlie? Womp, 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 womp. Your wife's, look, wife's looking at you. She's going, Jimmy, I need you to take the garbage out. Jimmy, I need you to change a baby diaper. Jimmy, I need you to give the girls a bath and put a bed. And all you and you're seeing her mouth moving. All you're hearing is womp, 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 womp. Right? Not saying you do. I'm just using it for example. Right? You're seeing the lips move. All you're hearing those Charlie Brown's teacher talking. Why? Because because Jesus is saying there's going to be people who go through the act of hearing, but they're not giving audience to what's being said to them. Oh, do we see that there's people in the church today that'll sit in seats, they'll come to church religiously. They'll go, and man, I'm going to tell you what, the Word is taught, and the, and the anointing there, and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the anointing's on the Word, and, and the Word of God is being brought forth in a mighty way that if they'd give audience to it, it changed their life. I heard a pastor say one time, all this stuff, people run around doing pastoral counseling. He said, if people would just go to church, sit down, shut their mouth, pay attention to the Word long enough, they wouldn't have to go run to the preacher for a counseling session, whine, around, whine back around every time they have a little problem. Amen. Amen. Now, don't think Pastor Brian's against counseling. I'm not saying I don't believe in counseling, and I don't want anybody here. If you need counseling and you need to call, man, give a call, right? But I'm say, what I'm saying is, is that, you know, if Jimmy's calling me every other day, the problem, I don't care if you call me, brother. I like talking to you. Right? Shoot me a text. Talk about, I'm not saying that. But if, like, every day it's a crisis of the day, I, eventually I'm going to say, dude, are you listening to anything that we're teaching you, man? <laughs> Amen. And Jimmy don't do that. Because Jimmy and Nikki have both, man, they've grown so much the past couple of years. Man, glory to God. They're growing machines, praise God. But you understand that we've all seen people this way. It's the person that comes to the church and they got the same problem and 10 years later they got the same problem. 
And 15 years later, they got the same problem. And you've seen people this way, and I've seen people this way, that they, you know, you, last time you saw them, they had XYZ mess going on in their life. And you know because you've sat in a church house with them and heard messages about the very problems that they ain't dealing with. And you're thinking, I can remember pastors preaching this and this and this and this. And if they even heard that or got the CD or even went back and bothered to listen to it online, they'd know what to do. Well, what's the deal? They're going through the act of hearing, but they're not giving audience to anything that they're being taught. And that's probably one of the biggest hindrances to spiritual growth in believers' lives today is that, we will, that they, people will go to church and they'll go through the, the act of hearing because guess what? The little sound waves are coming out my mouth, going in the microphone, coming out the speaker, and they're filling the room and they're going in your ear hole and bouncing around on your eardrum and shaking that, those little bones in your, in your ear and, they're, and your brain's interpreting them as sounds and as words. But all it's doing is rattling around in one ear and coming out the other and you're not giving audience to it. Amen? And so Jesus is saying... He said, uh, he said that, um, and you understand this, is that if you, uh, he also says not only will they go, so Jesus is saying there's people that not, there are people who will go through the act of hearing, but they're not going to give audience to the word. And remember, we're talking about the word, right? The word. He said they go through the act of listening, but they don't give audience to it. They, in other words, they don't give serious attention to it for the purpose of gaining witness from it. Right? You give somebody audience. You're giving somebody uh, an official audience to, of testimony. Right? You're looking for evidence. It says, and then also it says, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and lest they should understand with their hearts, and be turned. And where it says to understand, you know, it says they will see. In other words, that word see means to, just literally means to look upon. They will look upon, but they will not perceive. They will not understand. They won't be able to put it together mentally. And so Jesus goes on to say, But blessed are you, for your eyes they see, and your ears for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you heard, and they did not hear. So, but Jesus is saying this, and I want you to get this out of this. Jesus is saying, look, there are people that their, their ears, they're going to go through the act of hearing, but they're not going to give audience to what I say. But Jesus is saying, the reason I, want, I have the desire to teach in parables because remember, we said, to him who hath, more will be given. To him who hath not, even what he has will be taken away. To him who holds on to what he has, more will be given. To him who doesn't hold on to it, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus, basically, he's saying the reason I teach in parables is I want to make it so easy that the people will be able to get a hold of it so that they can hold on to it and they can get the benefit of it. He wanted to keep it simple. Jesus didn't try to teach in deep theological words. Jesus didn't try to use vocabulary to impress people. Jesus talked to fishermen about fishing, and he talked to farmers about farming, and he tried to keep it in a way to bring a deep spiritual truth to them in a way that was simple enough that if they could get a hold of it and they could hold on to it because he did not want them to be, be people who would just go through the act of hearing something but wouldn't give it any audience. So that's why Jesus is teaching in parables. And that's why over the next couple of weeks when we're going to be looking at some of these parables, keep this in mind. Jesus 
His whole intention, Jesus did not teach to impress people. Jesus taught so that he could bring a spiritual truth and impart it into people in such a way that they could get a hold of it, they could understand it, they could mentally fit it together and make sense of it and hold on to that truth so that they could reap the benefits of it. Amen? And so if we want to just go ahead and take a look at this, we go on in the parable here, verse 18, Jesus begins to explain it. Jesus says, Therefore... Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of what? The kingdom. Understand this. I want you to absolutely get a hold of this and know this and do not get shaken off of it. Jesus said they hear the word of the kingdom. You understand this? Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say it was not the word of the death, burial, and resurrection. It was not the word of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't say that the sower sows the word of healing. Jesus didn't say that the, that the sower sows the word of faith. Jesus said the sower sows the word of the kingdom. Because you understand this. Death, burial, and resurrection, that's part of it. The baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that's part of it. The word of healing and health, that's part of it. And teaching of faith, that's part of it. We've heard this before. That those are all trees in the forest of the kingdom. Right? Jesus is saying it's all in the context of the kingdom. Because you get this. How many of you know you can go hear good word of faith teaching and, and learn about a tree in the, in the forest of this is the word of faith. And this is, you believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. And you, you, you read the word. And you speak God's word. But, and that, and you, can, you can appreciate that. Right? And there's benefit to be gained from it. But how many of you know if you can get the big picture, if you can get the kingdom, you get everything that's in it. And this is like this is borrowing from one of the parables that Jesus has that we'll take a look at that we may get a chance to take a look at in the next uh, few weeks coming up. But remember the parable: the kingdom of heaven is like a man who finds a treasure buried in a field, and then he goes and he sells all that he has to buy the field. Now let's just make this simple, and I don't want to get too much on this because we're going to look at this one. But let's say you're out walking in the woods, you're walking out in a field or something next door to uh, your property where, you, where you're renting at, and it's for sale, the land is for sale, and you go out there just, you know, plunking around, you know, and, and you stumble upon a box, you know, a, a, you know, a, a box, something sticking up, and, you, and it's full of gold bars or gold coins, Civil War era gold coins or something. I mean full of it, like 50, 60 pounds of gold. Glory to God! You know, you're looking around, make sure nobody's covering it back up, and you're going to go. You're going to call the owner and say, "Yo, dude, uh, I saw this property for sale. How much you want for it?" And he goes, "Oh, you know, it's, you know, it's three acres, and what is it? Lowndes County, what average land's twelve thousand dollars an acre, and you know, thirty-six. I'm asking thirty-six thousand dollars for it." And you're like, "Mickey, how much money we got in the bank? We got no thirty-six thousand dollars." Okay, let's, let's sell this, sell that. Let, let's pawn everything we got. What are you doing? We want to sell it all. We're going to sell it all. And we're going to go over here and we're going to buy this field. As a matter of fact, we're going to go to the bank and we're going to borrow some money. Are you crazy? You, can, you know, we can get it, man. The payment's only going to be you know, the payment's only going to be $230 a year for 30 years. $230 a month for 30 years. Are you crazy? They, we ain't budgeted that. Hush, woman, I know what I'm doing, right? That's one time you might get a pass on saying it. Hush, woman, I know what I'm doing, right? You do that, and then you go buy the field because you, you know I ain't worried about borrowing thirty six 
$6,000 from the bank. I, I ain't worried about hawking everything I got. I ain't worried about selling my car for a couple hundred bucks and walking to, walk into, the, walk into the real estate agent's office tomorrow. Why? Because you know I get that field, I get everything that's in it. And I'm going to pay $36,000 for a field that's got a chest with 50 pounds of gold in it. And gold's what? $1,700, $1,800 an ounce now? Glory to God. That's a heap of that's a fair that's a good trade, ain't it? You trade thirty six thousand dollars for you know half a million dollars any day, right? Cindy's gonna do some math. Fifty pounds, sixteen ounces a pound, that's seventeen hundred dollars an ounce. Cindy will give me the number. But my point is, is you know I'll give everything I got to get the field because what's in the field is worth more than what I got. Oh glory to God, if you can get a hold of that. Sixteen ounces at seventeen hundred dollars an ounce is the last I heard. So, but you understand, you're, you're like, look, I, I will gladly part with everything I got and go into debt to get the field because I know what's in the field is worth more than everything I got. And I know when I get the field, I'll take two coins and I'll go pay the debt off. What do you got? One million three hundred sixty thousand dollars. Would you would you, would you do that? Would you go borrow thirty six thousand dollars to go get one million three hundred thousand dollars every day, right, all day long, right? I'll take two if you got them. Well, so what I'm saying is, is we need to realize Jesus is talking about the word of the kingdom. Because if you get the kingdom, you don't have to run around worrying about. Oh, I gotta get me some healing. Gotta get me some healing. Gotta get me some word on some healing. Gotta find out something about healing. And you understand it's all right to study subjects. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, don't pretend like you got to chase that. Okay, oh, good. Thank you, Lord. Here it comes. Because you don't have to run around. And go, oh, I got to get me some healing scripture. I got to get me some healing scripture. I got to get me some healing scripture. Oh, I got to go get me some prosperity scriptures. I got to go get me some prosperity scriptures. I got to go get you know. I got to go get me some uh, uh, faith scriptures. I got to you know get that. No, no, no. If you get the kingdom, and you are and you possess the kingdom, man, you get everything that's in it. Does does the word say that Matthew six thirty three? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things are going to be added to you. That's why Jesus was, Jesus was not a word of faith preacher. Jesus was not a healing preacher. Jesus wasn't a get born again preacher. Jesus was a preacher of the kingdom because Jesus knew if I can get them to seek the kingdom, they're going to get everything that goes with it. Amen? They're going to get it all. So Jesus is, is very specific about what the word is. It's the word of the kingdom. Amen? And he says, verse 19, uh, continue. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Uh, this is he who received the seed by the wayside. Now I want us to take a look at this. You understand this? That word wayside, it literally uh, translates, to, you can translate it to say uh, the, the, the vicinity of the route. Wayside, you can translate that, literally translate that to the vicinity of the route. Now, what do you mean vicinity of the route, Pastor Ron? Is that there's a path, right? And does, did Jesus tell us a story about that there's a narrow path and there's a broad path, right? Does this sound familiar? Does this story sound familiar to people? Jesus said there's a narrow path. And, and where does that lead? It leads to life eternal, right? So there's a narrow path. And, that's, and which one are we encouraged to follow, narrow or broad? Narrow. Why? Because Broadway leads to hell, right? Because you have to go through New York to get to Broadway. <laughs> Amen. 
Amen. Just send me to hell or New York City. It'd be about the same to me. Glory to God, they can have New York, right? Anyway, they w- they'd throw me out of New York anyway. They'd hear my accent and say, hey, 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 Steve, get out of here. Glory to God, right? Anyway, so it says that the seed, that some seed fell on ground that was in the vicinity of the route. Now, you understand this. He's t- the, now, keep this in mind that we're talking about the word, but it's the, the seed is the word of the kingdom. And I want you to see this. There's church houses full of people. When we think about that, we tend to think about lost people. We tend to think about, let's put it this way. Not, I don't want to use that terminology. Churchgoers. We tend to think of people by the wayside being non-churchgoers or unchurched people, Right? But I would, I would submit this to you, that perhaps we're talking about people who are religious people, who they go to a church and they have a man that they call pastor or father or whatever they call him or bishop or whatever, and he opens up the same book that we read. And he teaches them some of the same stories that we talk about, but maybe the interpretation is greatly different. Maybe it's right on, maybe it's about half there, maybe it's completely off base. But these people, they're hearing the word of the kingdom. Because why, and why are they hearing it? Because you understand this, lost people ain't hearing the message, right? Help me, Lord. Unchurched people, people who aren't going to church, aren't hearing the message. The people who are going to churches and sitting in churches are hearing Why? Because they are in the vicinity of the route. They're, they're, and you understand vicinity just means the area of the route. They're in the vicinity of the route. And it says, when a person hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the enemy quickly comes and snatches the word away, and I, and I add this, and will often give people a substitute. Because you understand, you understand this, is that the devil, he, you know, if you don't hold on to what you have, Cindy, hold on to your Bible, and she's just holding on to it, right? And I, if I, and I let me, you let me have it. Okay, I don't want to tell you about it. I put away. I go. Oh, here you go. You want something in your hand? There you go. Right? Okay. Let me see this. Hand me, or if I pull her Bible every hand, I give her a little super uh, pay, pad, pay pad over there. I give her a little comic book. How many of y'all know that when someone doesn't understand, it's funny. How many of y'all have seen kids, especially when you start give, giving kids, you see little kids dealing with money, and uh, one little kid's maybe got quarters and the other's got some dimes, uh, you know, and the one, or you give them some change. I've seen this before. Kids, you give them a handful of change, maybe they got some quarters and some dimes, and they each got some quarters and dimes, and the, uh, the one with the, or let's put it this way, nickels, because nickels are bigger, right? But you got an older one, that knows a little bit, and he says, you know, he's like, okay, I know the dimes are smaller, but they're worth more. So he goes over and he tries to snow job the younger kid that doesn't know. Hey, I'll give you some of my big quarters. For, I'll give you some of my big coins for your little ones. And the little ones just saying, ooh, bigger's better. <laughs> and they don't realize they're going in the hole, right? They're getting snookered, right? How many of you know the devil will do that? Why, why does that happen? Because the little kid doesn't understand the value of money, and so they misplace value on it, and they're willing to swap dimes for nickels all day long because that, that one's bigger. It's, it should be worth more, right? Well, how many of you know when people hear 
the word of the kingdom. There's been people in this church, there's been people in St. Augustine that, that this has been the case. When people hear the word of the kingdom, they because because they don't understand it. Oh, I don't understand. What's the big deal? Well, kingdom. Yeah, we're talking about kingdom. But how many of y'all know there's a difference? Because we've all, right, you've been y'all been in church for a long time, and you've heard and you've read verses and you've heard stories and you've heard sermons talking about the kingdom of heaven is this, the kingdom of heaven is that. But there's a difference between going, yeah, the kingdom, and then, whoa, the kingdom. When when you got revelation on, you're like, whoa, whoa, right? Have you have you been there, right? You understand? There's these are people though that they're hearing it. And they just don't—they don't esteem it. They don't recognize the value of the message. And then guess what? The devil's able to slip right back in. To, uh, the devil comes in because they don't understand it. Because remember, the foul of the air comes in and snatches that seed away, right? Yeah. Devil comes in. They've heard the word of the kingdom. They've heard that, that Jesus Christ came to restore dominion to man. They heard that God wants you to bring heaven to earth. Matter of fact, Jesus taught us to pray that way—that you'd bring heaven to earth. And guess what? Because they don't understand that, because their religious mind won't accept that, the enemy comes in and goes, here, just let me go ahead and take that away from you. And here, oh, by the way, just uh, hold on to this and just keep on singing when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that'll be. Just keep on saying, just keep on saying, man, I can't wait till I get my mansion in heaven and I get to live there forever. Is that, I mean, is it plain? They don't see it, and so the devil can come in and he can give you a substitute. And guess what? You just keep on uh, holding on to that substitute, thinking that you got the real thing, but you just got snookered. Devil just traded devil just traded you nickels for dimes, amen. And you're holding on to it. You understand this? That so there is another gospel. Paul said in Galatians one nine. Paul said, if anyone preached a different gospel than that which he preached, let them be cursed. Right? Acts twenty twenty four and twenty five. Paul testified uh, of the he testified of the gospel of the grace of God, but he preached the kingdom of God. Amen? So we know what, what gospel did Paul preach. He preached the same gospel Jesus did. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. Acts 28.31 says Paul preached for two years in Rome the kingdom of God. So you understand, we're not just splitting hairs. Because you understand, there's different gospels. Right? There are different gospels. Even in Paul's day. And when was Paul ministering? About 60 A.D.? About 30, I mean, most of the epistles were written somewhere in the 60s. 70s, 80s, so 30 to 40 years after Jesus died, Paul's writing letters, and that early into the church, there's other gospels being preached. And Paul said, as a matter of fact, and they're not gospels at all, because it's a different gospel. And Paul spoke very plainly about it. He said, if anybody comes to you preaching another gospel except what I've preached, let them be cursed. That was pretty strong language. So you understand this. It says that the word was stolen from their hearts. Uh, it, it, the, and you understand the heart, it, it's, it's figuratively speaking of the center of the man. It literally means their, their thoughts, their feelings, their mind. The word was stolen from their mind. Understand, you understand this? This happens. How, can, how does, is the word stolen? It happens because they don't understand. The word understand means to put together, that is mentally to comprehend. And because of that, now, now follow me here. Because they don't understand the word of the of the kingdom, they will begin to act piously toward the message. 
Now, that word piously, I had to look it up, right? You know, I like to know what something means. Piously means devoutly religious is one definition, but this is the most common. And when you hear us talk about someone being pious, it means making a hypocritical display of virtue. How many of you have? How many of you have tried sharing the word of the kingdom? We've got this revelation. You're seeing this revelation in the word. You realize, man, it's a kingdom. You're excited about it. You're sharing it with people, and guess what? They go, oh well, yeah, you're into all that. What are you? What are you now? Jehovah's Witness now? What do they do? Take you down there to Georgia and brainwash you and turn you into a Jehovah's Witness? What is all this kingdom stuff? They start getting all holy. And, oh, well, if we don't believe in all that kingdom. You know, if we don't believe on all, on all that stuff, my church. Well, I just don't believe it that way, right? And they start giving you all these. Well, I, really, I think Pastor Brian has got good intentions, but I just think he's just going way overboard with all this kingdom stuff, this kingdom stuff, that. Heard someone tell me. Yeah, heard someone tell me. Oh, yeah, if we used to go to Anchor Faith Church, uh, and yeah, before the movement started. Someone down in St. Augustine. We used to go to Anchor Faith Church, you know, before the movement started, all the kingdom movement started. And she and, and this person started talking to me in their real religious voice. We now we go to a different church, one, one that's more relevant. Hello. Started acting pious, putting on a hypocritical show of virtue, right? Why? Because they didn't understand the word. They didn't understand it. And you understand this? Either they didn't understand it, or they, and you understand this, and they didn't esteem the word. You understand this? The Bible says that you, you know, you, they, they, understand this, they failed to keep or guard their heart because the seed was sown. The seed was the word of the gospel of the kingdom, and it was sown to their heart, but because they failed to keep it. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the threefold nature of man how important it is to keep or to guard your heart, right? Because people will fail to guard their heart. Um, you understand this? The Word never had the opportunity to, to produce fruit because it was never really received. Amen? If we're going to have time. We'll cover, if we're going to cover one more. I'm not going to get finished this evening. But we're going to take uh, on, your, on, your, um, on your handout here. And just hold on to these handouts till next week. We probably will finish up. But... Um, you understand this? A, the first one, a person's ability to hold on to what they have received uh, by sowing determines how much more they will receive from God. A person's ability to hold on to what they have received by sowing determines how much they will be able to receive uh, from God. Uh, the second one is there's a difference between going through the act of hearing and giving an audience uh, to what is said. Amen? Um, there is a difference between going through the act, going through the act of hearing, and giving audience to what's being said. Uh, the third thing on your handout there is, in his explanation of the parable of the sower, Jesus specifies that the seed sown is the word of the kingdom. Amen. And the fourth one, when a person by the wayside hears the word of the kingdom, they do not understand or esteem it, and they may act pious or holy as they discount the message. Amen. So so if we want to take a look here at so the next in Jesus so that's the person by the wayside. They ought they immediately dismiss it. They won't receive it at all and because they will not receive it because understand this because because they will not hold on to what they've been given what they have even what they have will be taken away. Can you see that? Because the seed was sown 
But because they wouldn't receive it and hold on to it, the, fact that the enemy was able to come in and snatch that word and take it away so they didn't even have a chance to produce fruit because they didn't hold on to what they had and so even what they had was taken away. Can you see that? Amen. So the next one is, is the seed on the stony ground. Amen. It says that the seed on stony ground, verse 20, says, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Okay? Verse 20. You understand this? They receive the word of the kingdom immediately uh, with cheerfulness. Uh, Let me uh, sort some stuff out here. But he who receives the seed on stony places is he who hears the word and immediately receives it. This verse right here in verse 20, you, you can write this down, you take a note of this. The word received, it's two different words translated to the word received. That first word received, he who receives, that word received means sown unto. So the first word is saying, he, this is he who is in the stony places. It says, who when he has had this, when, it is, when it, the seed has been sown to him, Right, so the seed was sown to him. It says uh, he immediately receives the seed with joy. Now, this second word in this verse, receive, is different than the first one. The first one means has been sown to. The second word receive means he takes hold of. So the first one, it says the one on the stony ground, when they received it, it just means it simply means it was sown to them. Right? Remember the sower's going out and sowing it. When the one in the stony ground, they, they have the seed sown to them, it says, and immediately with joy they receive it. Well, that word receive means lay hold, but it means to lay hold on passively. Did everyone get that? That that word, that, that second word, to lay hold of, they lay hold of it, but they lay hold of it passively. How many of you have seen people, uh, maybe when you're in high school or maybe unmoved or something like that, someone walking down the hall with just their books, just cradling their books underneath their arm, and somebody walk up behind them and smack them out, and the books go flying all over the floor? How many of you they're holding on to those books, but they're holding on to them passively? Yeah, you know, it's just kind of, okay, just, just, just kind of letting it lay in there. Just kind of got it tucked in, and it's just gravity just kind of holding place. I'm just, pa- just passively holding on to it, right? And so someone can come along and just smack them out of their hands. I declare I've seen running backs for Georgia the past couple of years. You get them inside the 20-yard line, you think that they just passively laid hold of it. Glory to God. They get inside the 20-yard line, they get the dropsies. Someone just walk up behind them and go, smack, smack, smack the ball out. Fumble! Why? Because they're just holding on to it passively. So, what, so the picture that's being said here is this person that's stony ground, the, the seed is sown to them, and man, they immediately received it with joy. And, they, and uh, so it's sown to them, and they immediately with joy lay hold on to it passively. Have we seen that? Have you said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, whoo, yeah, we're all about the kingdom, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm excited about this kingdom stuff. And then maybe some of their buddies get to talking to them. Man, what's up with you and all this kingdom stuff? Y'all in that kingdom now movement stuff going on? What's, you know, what are you talking about? Kingdom, kingdom of God this, kingdom of God that. They get a little bit of persecution. They get a little bit of tribulation. And understand this, the tribulation is for the sake of the word of the kingdom. 
Because you can have all kinds of religious buddies that go to umpteen dozen different varieties of whatever church is in this town. And, as long, and then all, if all you want to talk about is Jesus hanging on a cross dying for your sins, hey, it's all good, right? You can even find some friends in town that will go as far with you as Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, and sent the Holy Ghost and, and sent the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence in, in tongue, speaking in tongues. And you can even get some buddies to go with you that far, right? But man, when you plant your flag and it say, man, do you know that Jesus came to reestablish the kingdom of God on the earth? And you start talking kingdom to, to people and say, you know, it's not even really about religion at all. It's about the government of God being reestablished on the earth in the hearts of people. And one day our king's going to come back and he's going to sit on the throne, but he's already established the kingdom and we're just waiting for him to come back to have the inauguration. Amen. Hallelujah. They're going to say, oh, man, you're crazy. Man, you're in a cult. See, that's a cult sign on your T-shirt. See, it's, too, it's, it's the devil's pitchfork turned turn crooked, brother. Anchor, anchor faith. Look at that, right? And people start getting persecuted. What are you talking about all this kingdom stuff? Now, and guess what? Look, here's what happens. Is it says, uh, it, they endure, it says, uh, verse 1, it says, He who receives, he who has the seed sown to him in stony places is he who hears the word and immediately passively takes hold of it with joy. Yay! You know, uh, here it is. We will ignite the city. Empire. Yeah, they're in church. To bring heaven to earth. They might even raise their hand a little bit, right? Because they received it loosely with joy. And then they go to work and they begin to share some stuff with people and they get persecution and they get tribulation for it. And guess what? Blunk, they inside the 20-yard line, man. They like they like Sean Ely inside the 20-yard line getting hitting that ball rolling. Yep, fumble. Why? And guess what? They get offended. They get offended. Why? Let me just keep on reading here. It says, it says they have no root, but, but, but yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. I'm going to say this. It says, notice this. When they hear the word up here in verse 20, it says, they immediately receive it with joy. But then when persecution and tribulation arise, they immediately stumble. That tells me that just as quick as they get it, they can lose it just as quick. Do you see that? They, re they could receive the word with joy immediately, but then when tribulation or persecution comes, they can lose it just as quick as they got it. In other words, you preach them one sermon, and woo, hallelujah, we jacked up, we on fire, and then they get one person criticizing them, saying, I think you're out of line, I think that church is going to do cult, and guess what, they can lose it just as quick. Just as quickly as they get it, they lose it. Let me finish up here real quick. It says, so they, it says, they, it says um, verse 21, yet they have no root in themselves. They endure only for a while. That, that, that phrase, uh, endure for a while, it means literally they endure only for, a, uh, for, a, for an occasion only. Amen. I remember when we first brought the word of the kingdom. Can you all remember when we first brought the word of the kingdom? Winter Bible Seminar, uh, 20... 2009, Pastor Earl and Pastor uh, Daryl Huffman came in. Pastor Earl brought the message of the kingdom, February 2009. 2010, February 2010. That's right, we were in this building. February 2010, Pastor Earl brought the message of the kingdom, preached on original purpose, brought that message of the kingdom, and guess what? Brought a powerful word. 
And to this day, Pastor Earl still say it is one of the most powerful uh, and most uh, uh, you know proficient ways that he's brought that message, the message of the kingdom. Matter of fact, the CD set that they sell down in St. Augustine with it, he all the rest of the sermons are from St. Augustine, but he pulled that one from our Winter Bible Seminar to include it because he said that's the best I've preached it to date. So we had that. I remember, uh, do you remember the house was full, man? If we had, what do we have, 75, 80 people in here? You should have been here, brother. 75, 80 people came in. We had guests coming in from out of town. And Pastor Earl preached, and there were people here that aren't here now that they heard it and the, the, the word impacted their spirit so greatly that they were physically shaken. I mean, they just looked like they were dazed and confused after the service and they were talking like, Man, this is such a you know a powerful word, huh? And they got, I, but I see it, I see it, man. He showed us the scripture. It, it's the word, man. That's it. And guess what? And they received it, but then when they left the building, it wasn't. It became nothing but a good sermon to them. Why? Because they received it for an occasion only. They took hold of it. They took hold of it passively. And they held on to it for an occasion only. Maybe went back to their church that they came from visiting and said, Man, this is a great service. You should have been. I said, Well, why'd they say? Oh, that's, oh that, that's all that king, that's that kingdom now junk. You need to stay away from that. Bunk. Dropped it. Why? Because they took hold of it only for a season. And when persecution comes, you, you understand this? It says tribulation literally means uh, pressure or anguish. And persecution means to be subject to hostility or ill treatment. You understand that pressure, anxiety, pressure and anguish and hostility and ill treatment comes because of the word of the kingdom. I'm going to tell you, this message that we're preaching, it is not going to be popular with religious people. And you might as well accept it. You might as well just go ahead and get your, your skin thick and tough right now and just realize that pressure and anguish and hostility and ill treatment is going to come for the sake of the word of the kingdom. Amen? And you understand this, it says, he immediately stumbles. When this comes, the person who's stony ground, when it comes, he immediately stumbles. That word stumble means he, he immediately becomes scandalized. Another, and, the words, and if someone is scandalized, it means to shock or horrify someone by real or imagined violation of propriety or morality. To entice to sin or apostasy. So here, it comes, here comes some pressure or anguish or ill treatment because of a revelation of the truth that you have about the, that's come from the word of the kingdom, and it comes, and when it comes, that pressure that is put on you, that person allows that pressure, to, it, it scandalizes them, it horrifies them to think, oh man, I have made a horrible moral mistake here in this whole kingdom stuff, and I don't want nothing to do with it. I'm just going to go right on back to believing my little... Uh, stuff where I'm just going to, you know, what kind of, I'm hunkered down in my foxhole waiting until Jesus comes so I can go to heaven and live forever and strum a harp. This is the person that is, that is, uh, that is uh, stony ground. Now, I, I want to ask you this. I do want to go ahead. Um, maybe we can ask. Yeah, we'll ask the first question. It says, um, yeah, amen. 